Hey, Relentless Hustlers, and welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. Now, let me ask you something. Are you struggling with your home workouts at the moment? You're not sure how to stay motivated, how to keep it creative. You don't have any weights, and you're not sure how to make the workouts harder because you haven't got weights to stack on like you would in the gym. In today's episode, episode number four, I sit down with Jay Edmonds, who is a strength and conditioning coach from Woodford Sports Science Consulting, one of the top sports and performance facilities in Australia, down in Melbourne. And we talk about everything regarding home workouts and workouts in general, how to stay creative, how to stay motivated, and how to make your workouts harder if you don't have weights. Sometimes you can't stack on the weights, so you need to adjust other variables. So we go into deep detail about that. So if this is something that you need answers to, if this is something that you're struggling with and you've been wondering, how do I make my workouts harder, especially while working at home while the gyms are closed, or if you always work at home, this is a podcast episode that you do not want to miss. As I always say, guys, if you enjoy this episode or any of these episodes or enjoy the podcast, please, please follow, share it with a friend, reach out to me. I'd love to get your feedback. But without further ado, here is today's episode. Awesome. How you doing, man? Good. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks for taking the time to talk to me, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, no worries, mate. Not doing much at the moment with um, everything that's going on, so got plenty of time on my hands. Yeah, I know. There's a lot happening. Um, you still seeing clients doing, doing a bit of work or anything like that? Yeah, a little bit of work. Um, predominantly online, but... You know, different pieces like at fields and stuff like that, one on one. But um, no, it's, it's been enjoyable. Definitely tested, um, I guess, sort of coaching skills and sort of different tech technology skills as well. Putting like people online, finding the right softwares and stuff. But um, no, it's been really enjoyable to be honest. Yeah. Awesome. Um, what what software are you using at the moment? Uh, at the moment, I'm with True Coach. Yeah. Um, okay. Look, there's there's many different resources out there that you can use. Um, the only reason I used that one was it was through our gym uh, at Woodford's in yeah. Melbourne. So, like, I already had a sort of a familiar system with it, so I just stuck with that. But um, yeah. what about you? Um, yeah, well, I've been trying to sort of transition to online. I've used Trainerize before, and I'm sort of using that yep. at the moment. Um, it's a bit on my own because I'm an exercise physiologist, so I have a lot of, like, rehab-type clients, so it's sort of hard to kind of, get them on board but I do have a few clients yeah. on there it's more it's more of a maintenance thing now like at the moment just to kind of keep them keep them um, consistent with their training so hopefully when we get back into it yeah. they're still into a routine so yeah just adjusting to it really yeah I understand and I think look I think a lot of people are struggling with that at the moment with routine once um, you know routines are broken habits are broken and people they get in a bit of a rut sometimes and I've, I've found that with a few people um, even though they've got the time, like they just they've struggled a bit with that motivation. I think. Yeah, I well. think that that that's the biggest thing I've found at the moment. That's the thing I'm trying to sort of work on is basically educating people because I, I feel like motivation comes from understanding. You're usually motivated yeah. to do something that you know and you like and you're confident in. So that's yeah. why I'm trying to educate people as much as possible. Yep, hundred um, percent. So, what do you tell, tell us a bit about yourself? You know, what you do, where you're from. I know you sort of touch base, but yeah, just tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah, so I guess um, I'm currently working out of uh, a strength and conditioning facility uh, called Woodford Sports Science Consulting in Melbourne. So basically, we work predominantly with uh, athletes um, ranging from, you know, elite, sub-elite, amateur, junior level athletes, variety of different sports. Um, we also do a lot of like mid to late stage rehab stuff 
um, alongside our physio. Um, and I guess like we do have a lot like general pop that come through, through the doors, but predominantly we are based around athletic populations um, with that. Um, I guess in terms of my education background, I'm currently actually in my last two months of my double degree in uh, secondary teaching and uh, exercise science. So with everything that's going on at the moment, that might be a bit delayed, but pretty much on the home stretch for that. So that's yeah, awesome. interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's pretty much, yeah, my background. Um, awesome. Yeah, I guess, yeah. like, yeah, yeah. How's that? Uh, are you doing your, are they allowing you to finish your studies online or what's happening with that? Yeah, so pretty much the only last block I've got is the actual teaching placement. So okay. with that, I guess um, we're kind of trying to get in communication with the schools because obviously all the schools are online now. Yeah. Um, trying to get in communication if they think that the schools have got the systems in place to take on a, a student teacher or whether or not it gets delayed a little bit until things hopefully settle down and then you start from that. So okay. just awesome. see what happens. So you're looking at going into a bit of PE teaching possibly or? Uh, possibly. To be, look, to be honest, I'm enjoying a lot more of the coaching side of things at the moment. Um, look, it's certainly an option because um, I guess as, as a teacher, you've got that for life. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm at the moment enjoying the coaching and we'll go from there as we go through. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's it. I think it's just enjoying the, the process along the way, like just taking one step at a time. I've yeah, actually, um, yeah. So, um, I'm a bit of a, I've been following, um, Christian Woodford for a while. I'm a bit of a fan of his work. He's pretty good. He's straight on 80, you know, like he's just to the point and I like the yeah, way. Very, very cool. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. So. What's your like as a mentor? Is a pretty good mentor to have, like. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Yeah. To be honest, um, I know, like from the outside, a lot of people um, can, you know, see that he's a bit of a polarizing figure. But in internally, he's, um, you know, he's done a lot for me, and um, I think a lot of people like that get to know him would understand he's actually a very, you know, caring person that um, would be willing to do a lot for you. So. No, he's a fantastic coach and also a very good person as well. So, yeah, no complaints there. Yeah, yeah, you can tell he's passionate about the industry, that's for sure. Very true. passionate. That's one, yeah, that's one thing that drew me to him. He's just, he's just he's raw and authentic, which I really, really like. Yeah, um, not enough of him. Yeah. What, um, so, with everything going on at the moment, um, have you sort of got sort of programs or any advice for people working out from home, sort of with no weights, you know, how to work out from home? how to progress it, how to regress it? Yeah, 100%. So obviously, like we're in the situation where gyms are closed and not everyone has the luxury to have equipment or much equipment anyway. So look, I think first and foremost, it goes back to your preferences. So if you like resistance training, do resistance training. If you like more aerobic-based conditioning, do that. If you like yoga, Whatever's going to get you to train first and foremost is probably the most important thing at the moment. Now, I always like to go back to the the old Mexican girl saying, "Why can't we have both?" Yeah. Well, we can do we can train a lot of different things at the same time. And there's obviously we know there's considerable benefits from resistance training um, in terms of osteoporosis, like delaying osteoporosis, sarcopenia, um, body composition, just general decrease injury risk, and just that feeling of being strong. I think a lot of people. Uh, can resonate with um, same thing like cardiovascular health with general like aerobic training. We know that can help with like type two diabetes, um, cardiovascular health, 
Um, and, you know, just like, like there's so many different um, methods that we can use that are all helpful. Um, and I think people just need to, in this current situation, I think people just need to pick um, things that they're going to enjoy uh, firstly. But uh, yeah, it just goes back to what are your goals? What are you trying to improve on? And um, then coming out with a plan, I guess, pretty much. That's probably okay. the start of that. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Uh, I, think, I think it's definitely important for people to do what they like first and foremost. Yeah, 100%. Um, I guess, look, I think a lot of people predominantly uh, without the gym in terms of resistance training, they're probably, um, a lot of people are probably unsure about how to go uh, with a lot of things. Like I've seen, I know personally, I've seen a lot of um, like, uh, you know, like you see like online um, fitness workouts and all these different sort of variety of sessions, which are great. But look, in my opinion, training's training. So regardless if you've got equipment, or if you don't have equipment, the exercise science principles stay the same. So pretty much one of the most important variables is going to be progressive overload pretty much. So that stays the same if you've got equipment or if you don't have equipment. And um, I think, you know, just doing workouts for the sake of doing workouts and not really having structure is okay. It's better than nothing. But in terms of people making, you know, long-term progress, whether that's, you know, they're trying to put on muscle, lose weight, uh, develop strength, conditioning, whatever, whatever, um, you're going to have to apply a stimulus to the body to adapt pretty much. And if you're not overloading and having a plan, I think regardless if it's body weight, then um, I think you're going to struggle to get long-term results pretty much. And I'm sure you'd probably, you know, coaching as well, you'd probably find the same thing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, especially with, with no weights as well. So going into that, how would someone... How could someone progressively overload bodyweight exercises, for example? Let's keep it simple. Push-ups, squats. What are the different sort of variations? Yep. Um, Okay, so I'll look at my big categories. Um, Squat, hinge, lunge, push, pull, brace, pretty much. So if you can follow those categories, then all you need to worry about within that are your progressions and your regressions within that. So generally, when you're training strength training, if you've got those big six, you're on the right track. Now, let's say, let's look at a squat, for example, a bodyweight squat to a box for a complete novice who has never done any training might be enough of a stimulus for them. For a athlete who, or sorry, even an athlete or someone who trains regularly, something like a split squat or a um, goblet squat or a front squat is probably going to be, um, you know, a lot more challenging for them. So I think understand that you can manipulate um, I guess programming with a variety of different things. So I think a lot of people get caught up with if they don't have weight, they don't know how to overload. So with we can overload in a variety of different ways, such as sets. You can use reps. You can use weight if you have it. I think a very underrated tool is tempo. Now, I'm sure anyone that has done strength training, look, let's just pick a movement like a split squat, for example. <clears throat> If you add a, a tempo, so what I mean by tempo is we have three different contraction types. You have an eccentric contraction, which is the lowering of an exercise. So like say sitting down in the squat, um, an isometric contraction, which is pretty much like when the muscle length doesn't move. So that could be pausing at the bottom. And then the concentric um, action is when we, we stand up and shorten pretty much. So anyone that's done, say a split squat, for example, if you sit down in the bottom of the split squat and hold for five seconds and then come back up, your quads are going to be on fire. Um, and I think the important thing is when we go back to overload, let's say week one, you might do 
you might manipulate tempo on a split squat. So you could do three sets of eight week one with a four second hold at the bottom. Well, week two, you might add an extra rep. You could add an extra two seconds on the tempo. So there's a lot of different ways that we can challenge ourselves without necessarily having to have weight. And I think, you know, tempo, range of motion is another one as well, which I'm a big tool, a big fan of. Um, they can all be great tools to kind of, um, you know, uh, develop intensity um, in a session. Um, but yeah, pretty much. Yeah, definitely. That's awesome. Yeah, you hit the, actually, you hit the nail on the head there. That's actually something which uh, I've been implementing into my own training, which is tempo and as well as volume as well. So trying to slow down the eccentric phase of the movements and um, adding a holding and then obviously whether I'm exploding on the way up or I'm controlling a time under tension pretty much I think is very, very underrated. Yeah, I understand. And we know from the research um, <clears throat> that time under tension is a, a very important factor for um, – muscular hypertrophy as well. So, yeah, it's certainly important. Yeah, this is good because especially for people who they're like, you know, oh, I'm doing squats, I don't have any equipment, all I'm doing is how do I make it harder, what do I do? You just change up change up the tempo or, you know, add the holds, you know, add an extra rep, an extra set. There's many, many ways to go about it, which is, which is really good. So, Correct, 100%. Yeah. Um, so going from that, let's talk about if they do have some equipment. So what are some some example of home workouts people can do, you know, if they've got access to kettlebells, dumbbells, uh, resistance bands, you know, maybe a bit of everything or what's some examples they can do. Maybe an example of like a little routine. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, look, I think at the moment I'm a big fan of complexes. So look, if you've got the equipment, that's great. But, um, I think going back to those same categories that I mentioned before. So your squat, hinge, lunge, push, pull, brace, I think adding, complexes where you're pairing certain exercises within it can add a lot of density to the training. So that's another way that we can overload. So instead of say, just separating movements by itself and then having rest, which is great for someone who perhaps doesn't have the work capacity to be able to, um, you know, perform that kind of work with quality. But what you can do is by supersetting or, you know, not just supersetting, you could add complexes as well, which increase the density because you don't have as much rest periods in between you get a lot done in a really short period of time. So an example could be um, you could do a uh, goblet squat to a push press pretty much potentially or an overhead press, whatever you want to do. Um, you could do a, uh, you could superset. So without just doing that, you could superset say a push with a pull. So that's another way you could uh, manipulate that. So just varying ways where you can, if you've got the equipment that you can, um, you know, once again, add more overload, whether that's density, whether that's tempo, whether that's range of motion, uh, there's many different ways to do that. And I think, yeah, as I said, if you're going back to those six categories and within a session, if you're ticking off most of those boxes, then you're probably going pretty well um, from a training standpoint. Yeah. That's actually what I've been doing, to be honest with you, especially you know, I'll wake up in the morning, I'll go for a bit of a walk, come back to my apartment. I've got, I'm lucky I've got some kettlebells and stuff. So I've been doing like a push, like a squat overhead press with my, with my kettlebells. And then I'll follow up either with maybe push-ups or bent over rows. So, yeah. yeah, it's definitely efficient as well for time. So a lot of people don't like to train for too long. So it's definitely a good thing to add those supersets in. And then you can just play around with the, with the rest period as well to determine how intense you want to train. 100%. And that goes back to the goals too. Like if you're trying to, if you're trying to develop strength then perhaps, you know, if you've got the load, you might load it up a bit more. If you don't have the, the strength, maybe, you know, more work capacity or 
um, you know, hypertrophy and more sort of the factors there. So I think you just need to understand what you're trying to achieve with your session and just have a plan. I think that's just probably one of the most important things there. Yeah, definitely have a plan and stick to it. Actually, got, going back one, something I forgot to ask is how would someone, what's some good examples to warm up, get the body moving before they load up, especially for those who are going to use weights or going to increase the intensity? What's some examples of ways they can sort of warm up their joints and their muscles? Yeah, 100%. Um, I'm a big believer of the joint by joint theory. So um, certain joints require more mobility compared to other joints that require stability. So if we look at um, the ankle, for example, the ankle is going to require a bit more mobility compared to stability, even though like they all need um, both. So for example, if you're going to be doing squatting, you're going to know that you're going to need um, to loosen up your ankles to be able to get into a deep position. That's going to optimize your session ahead. So I think you need it. The warm up's very specific to the session that you're going to be doing. So obviously, yeah, if you're doing a strength session, you might need to pick the movements. Perhaps if you're doing um, yeah, a lower body session, it might be more ankle mobility, hip mobility. Um, if it's more of an upper body session, you might be doing a bit more shoulder mobility, thoracic mobility or rotation. Um, and there's a lot of different ways we can do this. Like, Look, to keep it simple, if you just sit down in the bottom of a bodyweight squat, a squat's going to tick off ankle mobility. It's going to tick off hip mobility. Um, depending on how you can do it, you can get some thoracic extension with that as well. You tick off a lot of different movements um, with that as well. I think activation is also an important one. Um, so predominantly our, our glutes and our trunk are generally two areas that uh, – a little bit less uh, active. I wouldn't say like people say like uh, they shut down. Well, your muscles don't completely shut down. In order to walk, your muscles still have to contract. But if we can, you know, say uh, maximize our um, glute contraction in the squat, well, we're going to be maximize efficiency in our movement. So I think if you've got some mobility both uh, work in this, whether that's, you know, depending on the movement that you're doing, whether that's ankles, hips, blah, blah, blah. Um, if you're also like, you know, activation based stuff. So perhaps it's more glutes for lower body sessions. It might be rotator cuff based work. If you've got upper body sessions, I think having some activation in there as well. I think also um, increasing heart rate as well. So another reason why I like to just with body weight complexes as well is that you can increase heart rate. You can challenge the body through a full range of motion. You can activate the muscles in your compound lifts. So and the, and the great reason why those six categories work is that it pretty much ticks off every single part of, of the body. So you can get a lot done. You can warm up the whole body. You can use it as your main session, but it's also great to do, you know, warm up pretty much as well. Yeah, definitely. And you, and you get more with the, I like the compound movements because you obviously target more muscles than isolation, which is good. So yeah, 100%. It's, it's efficient. Yep. Spot on. What's, um, so in your experience, how do you, especially at the moment now with everything going on, what, what, what do you do or what do you recommend for people to stay motivated while training at home? Because I find that a lot of people lose motivation. Like if they keep doing the same workout, like I've had people reach out to me and say, oh, I've been doing this workout, uh, can you give me something else? Or, you know what I mean? So they, after a while, they, they, don't, they lose that motivation. So... What are your, what sort of your advice or your tips on, on staying motivated and adhering to a program? Yeah, 100%. Um, and look, motivation is always a tricky one because in my opinion, motivation is fleeting. 
um, at times. There's going to be days where you're going to be more motivated than others to train. Um, look, quite often, um, discipline is a really underrated tool, not really underrated tool. It's a tool that you probably look at the most successful people, regardless if it's body composition athletes around the world. The athletes that are disciplined aren't always the most motivated, but they understand their goals of what they want to achieve. And they're very focused on how to do that. Now, in regards to how we can change that at the moment, I think variety is important. So for example, how we went back at the start, where you can train multiple qualities at once, perhaps you might know that Mondays are your strength day. You might think, know that Wednesdays are your aerobic capacity day. Or like, you know, you might go out for a run, just get outside, do a bit of things. Friday might be yoga or Pilates. So what you can do if you're getting stale is you could add certain concepts into one. So I think variety is important. I think it's also important to get outdoors as well at times because I think a lot of people working from home um, and even doing home workouts, they're getting stuck in the same routine pretty much um, at the moment, which can get a bit stale, I guess. But I, I just think training a wide, different, a wide variety of different uh, modalities um, and you know, using your resources around you, going outdoors, going to the park, you're allowed to do that still. So I think um, not just getting stale with your programming, I think is important. Yeah. It's probably the first yeah. thing. Yeah. So changing up your, changing up your environment as well as changing up the actual exercise routine that you're doing. So basically variability. So mix it up. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. 100%. And look, as long as it's still, you can still have variability, but still have a plan with it. So you can still overload week to week. As I said, like, Perhaps the first few weeks of your block, perhaps it's more of a, um, you know, you're learning the new exercise. Perhaps you've got a coach or, you know, you see something online and they've given you all these new exercises and it's about trying out all the new exercises, adding technique, blah, 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 blah. And then perhaps the block two or whatever, you add that density to the training. So obviously, um, you know, that's going to make you work hard. You're going to be obviously a lot more engaged because obviously when we get bored of things, we tend to not want to do them as much. So I think obviously having that challenge factor as well with your sessions. Um, but I just think having different varieties within each category. So as I said, like you could have that Monday, could be that strength day. Within each block, you just change it up throughout the, you know, you might focus on certain movements. Perhaps, you know, it could be a completely different session where you add complexes. If it's going for a run, perhaps one day you might do more steady state running. And then the following block that you do, you might do more interval-based running. Or if you like to ride your bike or if you like to do anything so i think i think you know you, you could have you can still have your same like plan and programs um within your training but i think just having that variability and you know if you are lacking motivation sometimes in all honesty either having a friend that you can do like a lot of people are doing like zoom calls now like with their friends and doing workouts with that to keep them accountable but also you know hire a coach like i think that's another thing too that um a lot of people for that discipline and that motivation like Having a program, I know for my example, probably a couple of months ago before this all happened, um, I was getting a bit lazy with my training. Now, the easy, the, what I did was I ended up hiring a coach who like, was one of the best things I could have done because you know, it gives you accountability. It um, you know, gave me a structured plan that I could follow and all of a sudden you know, you're a lot more motivated and stuff. So I think just you know, finding different ways to get the most out of yourself is also pretty important. Yeah, definitely. I like how you talked about hiring a coach. I think no matter what level you're at, whether you're a novice, sort of intermediate, I think everyone needs a bit of guidance. You know, even like 
the most elite athletes in the world. You know, I know like LeBron James, probably people have heard this before, but he spends over a million dollars a year on his own personal coach, you know, to keep him active and keep him motivated. So it's definitely something for everyone at all levels. So definitely, definitely a good idea there. Uh, going back to what you said, so basically it's important to basically have a structure first so that you know what you're going to do each day. You know, Monday might be strength, Tuesday might be flexibility with yoga, whatever you might do, and then just change it up each week by progressively overloading it week to week. Yeah, 100%. And I think, um, as I said, like the human body, um, like we know what works. We know progressive overload, regardless of the quality that you're trying to achieve, is one of the most important variables to continue to develop. So I think that you know, if, if you're following a plan and having uh, variability within that plan, I think that you're probably going to get the better, like the most out of your results pretty much. Yeah, definitely. And I, and I always tell people as well is be creative with it too. Like have fun with it. Don't be, don't be too sort of be structured, but in a very sort of flexible way, you know, like make sure what you're doing, you're enjoying it. So adjust it to how you enjoy it. You don't have to do it how it's set out and how someone on Instagram is doing it. Do it how, do obviously the right movements and, following the principles, but make it creative and individualized as well, which is very, very important. Correct. hundred percent. Like I think everyone has their sort of training modalities that they like a lot more and, you know, whatever gets you out the door, whatever get you gets you training. Like, as I said at the start, like that's probably the most important thing. Like we can talk about, um, you know, exercise progressions, um, loading parameters, blah, 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 blah. But the reality is if, if, people aren't going to do anything, then I think just getting them out the doors and doing something is better than having it perfect, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. I always tell people, especially coming from a rehab background, I always tell people movement is the most important thing. It doesn't matter what type of movement, as long as you're moving, not only physically, but what it does for you psychologically as well. Um, going on that, I think one of the things people forget about and is very, very underestimated is the importance of rest and recovery. So can you maybe touch base on the rest of recovery principles that you implement or that you've experimented with or that you find uh, people have had success with? Yep, 100%. Um, okay, so I think the best way to explain this is you can do something nearly every day. Now, I do recommend having a day or two rest just to, for psychological, but I'm a big believer of, alternating higher intensity days with lower intensity days pretty much for recovery. So if we know that we're doing a harder density based strength training session where we're going to be, it's going to be quite fatiguing that the following day, we're probably going to want to pair that with a lower intensity exercise. So that could be something like going for a walk. It could be a very light jog. It could be doing some yoga. It could be doing something like that. And I think just having, so like a, that's a mental refresher where, um, from the hard training, but secondly, it's also going to, you know, increase blood flow, um, you know, help develop like the aerobic system, which we know is um, the foundation of all recovery. So recovery between uh, efforts, recovery between sets, recovery between sessions, our aerobic system is the foundation to recovery pretty much. So having a base level of aerobic uh, function, whether that's walking, whether that's jogging, whether that's doing anything is going to help you recover a lot better between sessions. We also know our big, um, like our, um, the big nuts and bolts is going to be sleep. So sleep's obviously important. Making sure we're getting, you know, minimum of seven to eight hours of sleep if possible. Uh, nutrition. So making sure, you know, getting adequate 
well-balanced diet, carbohydrate, protein, fats, which all have at in various levels um, important functions for the body. Um, but yeah, I think probably, yeah, the main thing is if you're getting enough sleep, you're getting enough water, you're getting enough nutrients into you and you're distributing your intensity throughout the week. So going from higher intensity training to lower intensity training throughout the week, you can do, still do something pretty much nearly every day of the week. It's just the intensity might need to change a little bit. So I think in terms of recovery, that's probably the nail um, where I'd probably go with that. So almost basically like like an active recovery. So you can do something every day, just change up the intensity. So you've had a hard, hard weight session. Maybe the next day just go for maybe a, a light walk or have a light cardio session. 100%. 100%. And okay. I think, um, yeah, from an athlete standpoint, um, there was a coach called Charlie Francis who adopted a, a high-low training model as well. So a lot of my methods come from that. And that's the same with if I'm training athletes or if that's the same if I've got a general population. So obviously, as you said before, movement is medicine pretty much. So if we can carry just a little bit every day, um, you know, that's better than say destroying someone for, and you know, they can't train for four or five days. So I'd rather do bits and pieces, build up capacity over a longer period of time by alternating, you know, harder and lower days so that over time you can actually get more work done. Yeah, that's why that, and that's why programming is so important too. It's important because I remember going through my studies as well and I did a couple uh, subject called coaching science and advanced coaching science. And we covered the importance of programming for rest as well. It's so important because that's where the adaptations occur. So 100%. the workout itself is the stimulus, but the adaptations occur during your rest when you get your sleep and your nutrition and your recovery and things like that. I actually yeah, came fun. across a, uh, a study that day on the importance of sleep. And they were saying, you know, anything below, you know, five hours or lower, they've seen that it increases, you know, your hunger hormone, which is why it's really, increases diabetes and obesity so if someone's sort of struggling with their weight sleep is probably one thing that they should look into 100 and um like stress is another big one as well like um i know the studies over in in, over in america about um like college athletes and that where um periods of where exams were um being placed injuries were like double the risk Pretty much. So I think stress is another one that's important to making sure you're regulating your stress because when your stress cortisol levels are high and as a result, we can't obviously recover as much as possible. So I think it's important, you know, making sure as the, the, the modalities that we mentioned before, but, um, you know, making sure that, you know, you're not overly stressed during this period as much or managing that as well as possible. I guess that's probably yeah, the main thing as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Stress is the biggest thing as well. I think when people over sort of overlook or overthink sometimes it can affect them psychologically, which then can affect them physiologically as well and, and affect the way they train, how they, they adapt and progress. So definitely a very important thing. Um, going back on what you actually said before, and I'm glad you brought it up, is a lot of people out there are probably wanting to maybe find a coach or they're looking at different programs and they're seeing all these Instagram models pumping out their, their programs and their experts. What should people look for in like a coach and a program or just a coach or one or the other? So what, what should people look for to know that they're going to get good value out of a coach? What, what kind of signs should they look for? What kind of um, characteristics? Yeah, hundred percent. Um, look, you can look at um, education credentials potentially, but to be honest, I also know coaches that, um, have just like um, they perhaps aren't, you know, the most educated, but they're extremely passionate and they put out good content as well. So 
I think you need to look at, um, say, if you're seeing a coach on Instagram or whatever, if they're putting out content, what's the justification behind the content? It's not just what they're doing. Are they explaining why they're doing it? So, look, I think that's a problem with, you know, influencers and stuff and with um, different online coaches is that, yeah, they'll put out a session, but they don't really explain why they're doing the session. So I think having a, a sound theoretical background, um, preferably with evidence and base like that, that you can actually, so education, that's probably the main thing, regardless if that's a letter underneath their name with a degree or whether that's just, you know, they're very passionate and they're willing to go that extra mile. I think also care. So I think that's another thing too, like um, word of mouth is obviously a big one but that you hear like with a lot of local trainers, but do, does the coach actually care about getting the results? Do they check in to see how you're going during this period? Do they, are they trying to go that extra mile? And I think that's an important one too, that um, perhaps, you know, there could be a developing coach that perhaps may not have the credentials or have the, the runs on the board as such, but, you know, they're very passionate and driven and they're actually very good at what they do. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah. So I think just um, finding, uh, I think finding coaches that are passionate, care about you and are educated. That's probably the main uh, factors and don't just look at it at face value, like who's got the most followers or whoever looks the best. Cause there's so many other factors that go into that. Um, and also do they coach like, like do they actually spend time on the floor coaching? Cause that's another thing too. Everyone wants to be like an online coach at the moment, but like you can't put the, the, the principles that you put face to face are going to be similar principles that you put online. Like, so I think it's important that, you know, coaches are actually in the trenches and developing their craft. I think that's another thing too. Yeah, definitely. 100%. I agree with you there, man. I think, I think the biggest thing is definitely education. I think when people are looking at online coaches or online programs, you know, people, even though people who are really, really motivated, you still need some accountability. You know, you're just going to make mistakes. So you need someone there who has that expertise, who's, who's going to answer your questions. But at the end of the day, if you buy a program online or, or whatever it is and you go and do it, you, you don't know if you're, if you're doing it right, especially if you're not seeing progress. You know, you might feel the burn, feel the workout, but, you know, is it, are you progressing forward or are you just getting a really good workout? There's a difference between progressing forward and just feeling the burn. So I think definitely education. And that's why I, I, I find that these days that if you're going to hire an online coach or buy an online program, make sure it comes with some sort of, you know, check-in at least once a week or once a fortnight. Um, and you're able to get in contact with the coach because a coach is just going to give you a coach who's just going to give you a program and by here, you know, you buy it and you just go and do it and there's no touch point. I think you've got to really look at that. And the other thing that you said is make sure they actually are coaching. There's a big difference between buying a program of someone who stopped coaching three or four years ago as opposed to someone who's still doing it now, still learning, still making mistakes and still adjusting. That's, that's definitely a big difference. Yeah, 100%. And I always look back at um, my big three to, like, especially with online coaching. So, look, you've got obviously the coaching aspect itself. Like, you'd be surprised. We've got a lot of technology these days. If you've got a coach where you can send film of exercises and stuff like that, if you've got a good enough coach that has spent enough time in the trenches who knows how to pick up faults, can pick up different and can apply different cueing, you know, a simple video of a client sending into their client, like, that can be fixed straight away. So I think using your resources, if you do have a coach, 
I think the second one's also the programming aspect, which is um, ultimately in the long term um, that leads to long term results. But also, I think the third one, which we've kind of briefly gone on as well, is adherence and accountability. So having that coach can give that accountability. So sure, like, you know, the coaching and the programming is great, but for a lot of people, you can have great coaching, you can have great um, programming, um, but if you don't have the accountability uh, to adhere to a program long-term, it doesn't really matter how good all that other stuff is. Yeah, that's right. And that'll come down to the ability of the coach to actually coach and educate you. I think it's so important uh, not only to write a good program and to, and to adjust it to somebody and to keep them accountable, but to actually sit there and, and educate them as well, like you said before, why they're doing, you know, this exercise, why they're doing it, why it's programmed this way, the why behind it, you know, not just do it, but why am I doing it? This is why you're doing it. This is what you should do if you find any roadblocks or obstacles that prevent you from doing it. I think that separates, you know, your average coach from your elite coach, the ability to educate. And I think, look, I think we're very lucky at the moment because we're having a lot of high quality coaches that perhaps don't do a lot of online stuff because that, that's not what they're really about who have had to go online and they've got found data, uh, fa- fantastic skill sets that they can apply to the online model, which probably in the past has been, I would say very suboptimal in terms of um, very cookie cutter based programming and stuff in the past with online programming. You're getting a lot of experienced coaches who are perhaps going more online now where I think it's, um, a, a very good option. And I think people should look at it, you know, glass half full versus glass half empty that, you know, there's a lot of good coaches out there now that you can do online that perhaps even cheaper than what, um, you know, your face-to-face coaching is. So you'd be surprised if, if a good online coach can get a lot done. You'd be surprised. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I agree. Uh, just to finish up, because I think there's only a few minutes left on the recording. I'm not sure if it only goes for 40 minutes. But just to finish up, um, if there's anything else you want to say or if people want to try to get in contact with you, have you got sort of, you know, any articles you've written or is there a way for people to get in contact with you through social media if they want to ask any questions? Uh, yeah, I guess probably the main platform for me at the moment is Instagram. So uh, at performancecoach underscore Edmonds is probably my um, main uh, um, platform to, to, to get in contact with me. Uh, look, yeah, I think that's probably the main thing. Yeah, I'd say. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Uh, anything else that you wanted to say before before we go, or are you pretty happy with sort of what we've covered? We've covered quite a bit today. Yeah, look, I think yeah, we've covered a lot. I think the important thing is just just have a plan, apply overload, apply variability. Um, don't just you know find the, the easiest workout that you can find off a, an influencer online, actually do your research, find a coach that, cause there's a lot of coaches out there that are putting, you know, relative, like free content out at the moment, free programming and stuff like that to get people on their way. Do your research to find the right program um, for you. And um, yeah, I think just enjoy the process at the moment. Cause it's obviously a very difficult time for a lot of people. Um, try and get the most out of it. I think that's probably the, yeah, the main thing. Yeah, definitely. And there is a lot of great free content out there as well. Um, yeah, I think um, we should probably definitely do this again again because, like, we covered a lot and there's a lot to cover in terms of sort of strength conditioning and training. So we'll probably be doing this again. But I appreciate your time, man. You're an absolute legend. Um, you know, you, you were very happy to come on board. So I really appreciate you sharing your, sharing your knowledge and your wisdom. And um, I look forward to talking to you again, man. No worries. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Jay. Talk to you soon, mate. Awesome. No worries.